Hey everybody, it's Sean Harwell, and this is the Never Heard of It podcast, the show where we talk about the movies that have slipped through our cracks. I'm joined, as always, thankfully, mercifully, by Craig Moorhead, the co-host of uh, Olympians. Let's let's say that today. Craig, how are you? Sean, I'm doing great. You know, last episode, I said I was doing great, but now I think I know what doing great really means. Yeah, so I am doing great. I think last time I was actually just doing good and I didn't know it. Okay. I think I oversold it last time is what I'm saying. But this time, I am definitely doing great. How are you doing? Well, now I'm questioning whether I really know Mm. the definition of that word. So I'm going to say I'm doing good. Safe. I I recommend doing that until you know. Would you like to tell people where they can find us? You can find us online at neverheardpodcast.com. That's kind of our home base. You can find all of our episodes there. You can just stream them all. Just buh 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 That's the sound it makes when you go through them. It does, yeah. And then uh, and, and a bunch of write-ups on our long-form stuff. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You'll find the podcast itself on iTunes, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on iTunes, if not all of those platforms. On iTunes, you can leave a review and you can subscribe and if you could subscribe, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to hear more, good Lord, there's tons more for you. <laughs> so, and we're going to yeah. keep on making them. So, yeah, subscribe and that will help other people find us because, you know, Apple has those algorithms, which are like little robots that go out and they mm-hmm. sneak into your house and they whisper in your ear about new stuff that's going on. But that's that's everything I know. What do you know, Sean? Thank you to all of those who've already done those things. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, we're approaching a milestone episode, and uh, hopefully we'll remember to mention that when we get to it. Uh, don't quite know what number we're on at the moment, yeah. but uh, I know there's a good one coming up. Yeah, thanks again. Suggestions are, are welcomed as well. And Craig, mm. we're going to talk about a movie that we teed up last week. Yeah. But first, let me ask you, what else have you watched? Sean, I'll tell you. First thing I watched since the last time, uh, mm. rewatched Mission Impossible Fallout. Still a very fun movie. Still haven't seen it. It's 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 pretty neat. It's pretty neat. It's good. It's good. It's good action. Did you stream that somewhere? Is it readily available for me? Yeah, streamed it on uh, I think Amazon Prime. I think Amazon Prime okay. right now has all the Mission Impossibles, so you can okay. go all the way through them if you want to. And and really, yeah, like yeah, Rogue Nation into Fallout is like that's that's a great that's a great double bill. Okay. Even Ghost Protocol, throw them all in there. You have a yeah. good time. I watched it because I suggested it to my dad. He hadn't watched it, and you know he loves that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a big crowd pleaser. No bad fallout from no, the movie. No, not not family wise. Although okay, good. my next suggestion for us to watch, uh oh, the next night was who a Morgan Freeman movie called Along Came a Spider. Okay. This is uh, early 2000s. Ashley Judd? Not an Ashley Judd one. It's not? Okay. Which I've heard those are the good ones. <laughs> oh, okay. And this one wasn't really bad, but it was in its early moments the... Okay. Is there an Ashley Judd substitute? Can I ask? There is sort of. Monica Potter, although I, th- Monica I think she's Potter. very good. Okay. I don't think she's like... Uh, yeah, I don't want to say she's a substitute. You know, no, but just, although she yeah. kind of was, I mean, if you look at the series, like it probably was supposed. Well, actually, it probably wasn't supposed to be Ashley. Just, anyway, <laughs> I'm I'm getting too far in the weeds Sorry. here. Along came a spider. My, the whole reason I really want to talk about it. It's fine. It's you know, it's a mystery, twisty, turny mystery type thing. It's not. It kind of feels like it's still in the aftermath of seven. You know, yeah. a little bit, and so you're kind of like, yeah, but you're not really close to being seven at all. No. But it has. It, you know, it's kind of a fun watch. But if you're sitting down to watch it with your parents, at least if you have the relationship with your parents that I have with my parents, which tends to be you don't watch a lot of very, uh, I don't know, what do you want to say, Graphic. blue material? So there's a big Morgan Freeman sex scene. There's a huge, spider. it starts with, off. With the spider? <laughs> no, it's it starts off with this scene of these two people in a car and there's this woman who's an undercover cop and there's this guy who they're after. 
and he is saying awful things to her about what he's going to do to her and she's mm. supposed to be acting like oh that sounds great and i'm just sitting there like oh what did i do oh, i'm sweating yeah and I, I i piped up and i said you know we don't have to watch this i don't know that this is a good movie <laughs> i mm. i endorsed fallout but this one i really have no idea but to their credit we watched it all the way through we found out what happens in the end and you can too if you watch it on Amazon Prime. And the final movie we watched was uh, Secret of Nim, which I don't think I've watched since I was a kid. Me either, man. Yeah. How, how does that hold up? I mean, I did not remember what the point of that movie was <laughs> I uh, from when I was you a got kid. Me either. Like, I, I am sure that went right over my head. I mean, I love the animation. I love that Don Bluth animation. Right. It's definitely kind of a free-roaming story a little bit, but it's also a pretty short movie. It's pretty tight, I would say. Like, definitely check it out. I think that's may, that may also be on Amazon Prime. I don't want to tell you exactly what it was about because I'm kind of like, man, that was not a Disney movie. You know okay. what I mean? For as much as it was I mean, a kid's my, movie. I kind of remember it being dark or dark-esque. Yeah. Like, I remember rats with glowing eyes and stuff, yeah. and I was like, but why do they have glowing eyes? That's weird. Do you remember what NIM stands for? Not a clue. Okay. Couldn't tell you. Well. I just assume it's a place. That's a big part of the puzzle. Okay. Uh, once you learn that, you you know exactly what you're in for. So, uh, you know. Did you watch that with your kids? I did. And they loved it. It's perfectly suitable. I could just see it being like, it got kind of to the part where it's sort of explaining this one plot point, And I could just see me as a kid being like, what? All right, whatever. Get back to the people getting chased, you know? Mm. Because I am not a cineast. A cineast. But uh, let me cineast you what you mm. watched this week. And that segue is sizzling. Thank you. Uh, a couple things. I rewatched Alien. Oh. I'd probably seen it within the last five years, I would I would guess. Mm -hmm. Still just as enjoyable as the first time I saw it, Craig. Was this a 4K Alien? It was a 4K HDR oh. Alien, yes. How, how did that look? It looks spectacular, I would say. I mean, I'm not technical in, in how I judge these things other than uh, what my eyeballs tell me. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I thought it, it just looked freaking pristine. That's awesome. As I was watching it again this time, thinking about how I would really, truly, I think, place it like in maybe top three of any production design uh, I've ever seen, Yeah, I think. It, just for me personally, like just the look of that movie, everything about it, I'm just like, that. that's that's right. That feels right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I think all that stuff holds up remarkably well. It really is a good lesson in how important that, that is, that production design really is, and just selling a place and making you feel like you're there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I don't know how you get this sort of like timeless aspect of it right, mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with something like science fiction, because all it takes is one device like a computer or a phone to come along to really make your thing look dated and yeah i don't know i mean yeah there's some cute computer stuff in that movie that is a little dated but it's still just it fits that world so well yeah like it, it, it kind of feels like it it could be on a ship that's you know sort of a i don't know sort of a barge sort of a yeah. you know blue collar type place like sure that's the kind of right it ain't NASA, they would have you know? right just one other observation it's still shuddered at like one or two of those jump scares in that damn movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, still, still just get me. Like, I know it's coming every time. <laughs> still uh, went right down my spine. Great stuff. Great stuff. Also watched Philadelphia, 1993. Wow. Jonathan Demi. I never went back to that one. How's that? It's really good. Yeah. Um, I saw it back in the day. I don't think I've seen it since for sure. And I, I imagine a lot of people are the same way. Just, you know, it's not a movie you necessarily jump to to revisit. Right. But it's interesting to watch it, especially now that I feel like I've seen Silence of the Lambs probably like 40 more times mm -hmm. since <laughs> Philadelphia came out. And still sort of see, hey, there's the, some of the supporting cast is, is in this thing. Like, um, there's a few people that was like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. And there's there's two in particular that any, like, Silence of the Lambs fan would recognize immediately. Nice. And then also just, like, the use of close-ups, like that sort of, like, almost directly looking into the lens that Hannibal Lecter and Clarice both do at various points in that movie. Kind of the same technique in this, but for completely different content, right? Yeah. A completely different genre. It's hard to say... Now, like looking back, the most notable thing about it at the time, I think, was like, oh, my God, Tom Hanks was amazing in this movie. And like, where did this come from? I didn't expect to see this guy doing that. Right. Yeah. 
now it just it sort of feels like I don't I don't know that that I would say that that's like his that's that's not like a top three or four Tom Hanks performance for me necessarily. Sure, there's one like really good good scene where I think like he won his Oscar. He's great, obviously, but uh, I don't know. I don't think it would would land on my list personally. Well, I was kind of wondering like back then. I don't know. I, I remember there being a the compliment to that movie to his performance was that he didn't play it as as some like flouncing you know yeah. homosexual you know that you would expect. But then at the same time, I'm wondering, is it just, is, does it feel kind of flat? Like, is he just playing it so normal that it's not really a fully inhabited role or something? I don't know. I don't think it's that. I just, I think because it is, so, it is really pretty much a two-hander. Mm-hmm. You know, you're divided in the screen real estate for one thing. And there's really not, it's not a complicated character, which it sure. didn't need to be. There's a lot going on internally that's there. But it's pretty straightforward, I guess, is the best way yeah. to say it. Yeah, but it's, it's good. It, it holds up well. I think it's still really, really effective, even though the discrimination aspect is obviously still there. Like the social commentary still works, even though there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely been improvements, I think you would have to say, across the board. The touch they used was, I think it was right in order to position. And I know they got criticized a little bit for for like not having, they did, they, I guess they cut a scene that was sort of romantic between Hanks and uh, Banderas. Yeah. Like Demi swears up and down that it was really just for time and for the flow of the story and everything. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I th- I, it felt like I'm sure, you know, if somebody could look at this and go, that's really not representational. But yeah. I don't know. It, it worked for me, I guess. <laughs> uh, last but not least, Craig, I watched Hail Satan, the uh, documentary from Penny Lane who did Nuts that we oh, uh, yeah. did last season or the season before. It's streaming on Hulu right now. And it's pretty darn good. I enjoyed it. It's about the uh, Satanic Temple, the sort of modern reincarnation of that, I guess. Um, although variations on that name, I guess, have existed since the 60s and Anton LaVey or whatever. But it's primarily about the group that's been responsible for trying to make the case against state capital buildings having Ten Commandment statues uh, on their premises. Right. Know? It's really interesting. Doesn't really put up much of a counter argument to what the Satanists or or fighting for which is fine so i don't know if you're if you go in expecting like oh they're really going to dive into this topic and you're going to see both sides and maybe maybe not it's still entertainment sure as much as it is sort of like a social documentary but good it's worth your time absolutely well i will check it out and hail satan hail satan that's maybe actually a pretty natural segue then to talk about the movie that we're going to talk about today which I just, you know, again, want to point out that you picked it, but really both of our wives are quite lovely. Like, Well, I mean, honestly, if I did marry a witch, I think they would be like the witch in this movie. Huh. I think that's fair to say. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's say some more about it. I Married a Witch. That's what we're talking about. 1942, directed by Renee Clare, based on a novel from, what was that guy's name? Thorn Smith. Mm-hmm. You've got Veronica Lake, Frederick March. If you listen to the tee up, you know they did not like each other. Robert Benchley is in here as Dudley. Susan Hayward plays Estelle, the soon to be hopeful wife of Frederick March. And Cecil Kellaway plays Daniel, the father of the witch. Mm. Let me give a quick synopsis. A beautiful 17th century witch returns to life to plague politician Wallace Woolley, descendant of her persecutor. That sounds about right. Once upon a night, two wisps of smoke were out on a lark. A witch and her father. Goodbye, father. Her first night was a calamity. But she was rescued by a very handsome man. Cold in this furnace. But I have no clothes. No clothes. Now, this little witch was no ordinary witch. Oh, no. She was beautiful and did the strangest things. But she had a terrible time making the right man fall in love with her. Oh, I'm a pretty good judge of character. I don't think you're really a, a bad girl. I guess this will take longer than I planned. It's getting late. But I want you to know what I am. All right. All right, what are you? I'm a witch. It is streaming on the Criterion channel. I was unable to actually access it on Canopy, but guess what, Craig? Tell me. Local library came through, got the Criterion DVD for free. Man, Sean, you've done it again. I know. Check your library, folks. Craig, you mm. watched it. You wanted to see this for quite some time. 
Let's do what we did last time. Tell me something that you liked about this movie. What did you like? I really liked Veronica Lake. I don't think that she's an amazing actress, but I can't deny, like, I really enjoyed watching her for almost the entire time. Uh, that did not sound very positive. Let me think of something more positive. <laughs> for almost the entire time. For almost time. the entire time. But, but like, I, I was... That's, I, you know, I guess that's the thing is I was thinking about how everybody seemed to have a problem with Veronica Lake. I don't know. I didn't see any of that. She seems very playful throughout the whole movie. Seems like a, a lot of fun. Yeah. She has some really mm -hmm. good bits. This movie has some really good funny stuff in it. Mm -hmm. So just some, some really terrific moments kind of remind me of, man, this is a weird, uh, maybe a weird reference, but like It's a Wonderful Life has this whole thing after uh, Clarence saves George Bailey and they're warming themselves inside like the watch house or whatever. And the, the watch house guard is like responding to all these different things that Clarence says that are just like, uh -huh. and I guess, <laughs> and I guess it's kind of moments like that throughout that uh -huh. I just, uh, maybe that's just my vein of comedy. I, I, I enjoyed that a lot. Good. So I liked that. And one other thing I really liked about the movie, it's, it's a fairly short movie. It's about, it's not even 70 minutes long, I think. Is that right? Eight, not 80 minutes long, not 80 yeah. minutes long. It really hmm, that's, that doesn't sound like a compliment either but it is it really kept going like i felt like we yeah. covered a lot of ground in 77 minutes i didn't really feel like there was a lot of short shifting like normally i have that feeling of like well why are they in love that doesn't make any sense here it makes total sense like it's <laughs> it's what everyone's focused on there's witchcraft involved it's like sure yeah i totally buy every little bit of this so Anyway, those are the things I really enjoyed about it. Uh, what about you? I'm kind of with you as far as like the playful tone of it. I wasn't quite expecting, which, you know, maybe I should have when you're just knowing you're going into something that's partly comedic and partly romantic. Mm -hmm. But there's certainly like there's a lot of variations of that. It's not at all what I would consider to be in this sort of like bringing up babies screwball world or even what I remember of the movie that you haven't seen with Veronica Lake Sullivan's Travels. I haven't seen that. The pitch of that comedy is much different as well this like yeah the way we sort of get into it and the flow of all that i was kind of caught off guard by how quickly and how well it 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 moved and the satirical nature of it i guess was a bit more than what i was expecting especially mm -hmm. with the scene from the you know the, the scenes that are taking place from what the 1600s and, and forward there until we catch up to 1941 i actually really this sounds so stupid but I loved when we really first meet this witch played by Veronica Lake. We meet her as a, uh, how best would I describe this? Like a puff of smoke, mm -hmm. <laughs> a spirit, if you will, alongside her father, Daniel, played by Cecil Kellaway, who's also a puff of smoke. And we'll, we'll get into that setup in a little bit. These puff of smokes talk. We, I mean, we hear this dialogue between these two puffs of smoke and they move around and they end up in bottles. And that I was just like, dude, I could watch like an entire movie of just that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, they even, by the end of the movie, they go back to the puff of smokes for a little while. And just there's something about that effect and the tone of it. It was kind of sweet, even though what they're talking about is evil, mm -hmm. you know, and purposeful evil and the fun of, of being evil and getting into revenge. Yeah, that stuff really hooked me in. I, I thought that was good. Performance-wise, I'll say like Cecil Kellaway was a, a surprise to me as the father. I, I mean, I, I certainly don't recognize that guy or know him from yeah anything else. I mean, I looked at his filmography, and I know you mentioned last week too, but good God, there's like 150 things. On, I mean, just everything you could imagine. He was even in an episode of Bewitched, I noticed. Uh, yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he's just kind of fun. He's like a fun foil in this movie, even though most of the plot is sort of that will they, won't they. Well, I'm not most of it. A good chunk of it is. I mean, it feels like she's trying to foil a wedding. Yeah. But really, he's he's the puppet master of it all, I guess. You know, he's sure. the father witch. And uh, yeah, I thought he was a lot of fun. I liked him a lot. Should we jump right to some things that we we liked less? Do you have anything on, on a list for that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is something hand in hand with like it covering all that ground that I really liked about it. And I think I really liked that once I kind of got to the end mm -hmm. where maybe it felt a little bit like it took a little too long to get to the wedding. But at the same time, the wedding seemed to be coming really early. There was an odd feeling to it. But I don't know. I mean, is that is, okay. could that be the whole thing? What about you? I'm not quite 100% with you on feeling like 
I buy this relationship, I guess. Okay. Now, and, and even saying that and hearing you talk about it, even briefly, I'm like, well, yeah, okay, there's, there's, she's using witchcraft for some... <laughs> so sure. There's like that one transition with the, where the clock changes hours. We just watch the hands go around. I love That's that. Great. As far as like Frederick March's mood changing. Yeah. But, you know, really, if we'll jump right to the end, I mean, the point I think of this m- entire trip here is explicitly stated by Veronica Lake and her character, the witch. Love really is stronger than witchcraft. And I'm perfectly fine with that message, and I, 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 I certainly feel it here in this movie. I just don't know. I just don't know that. Are they really in love? Uh, you know, I, I guess I sort of missed right. when that happened or how that happened. Well, yeah. I mean, that's it. But it's it's not a, a deal breaker for me in this right. movie because of how playful it is and how well it moves and flows and in short and and just gets you there. And it's about that sort of ride. Right. It doesn't really bother me, but I just was like, well, if that's what I'm supposed to take away from the movie, I, I don't know that I'm quite with them. Would this feel better? Would this work a little bit better for me if I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, these two were meant for each other and they're really in love? Yeah, I do think that that, that aspect of the movie is, it's like a little cheap. It's a little bargain basement about how they kind of come together, how they, you know, quote unquote, fall in love. I, I, I do think it's stronger than some of the ones we've watched recently. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And and I do think a part of that reason, yeah, I mean, sure, there's a witchcraft thing. There is that bit where, where they stay up all night talking. Yeah. And like he's, he's laying out what blah, 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 this love and that and all that stuff. And by the end of it, like he's he's kind of playing with her hair and all that stuff. <laughs> and like it's it's good because it, it serves that comedic tone of the movie. But it also kind of makes you feel like, well, yeah, what did they talk about? Like what they had some real interaction. They spent hours together. And so now he's like, whoa, what am I doing this? You know. But is that a genuine response for him? Or no. is that just under her control? Like that's where I'm. Right, yeah. right. And yeah. and absolutely. But like I, I kind of also like the fact that they set up, even though, again, it's kind of cheap, but they set up that like Estelle, the woman he's supposed to marry, she doesn't seem that great. Oh, no, no. And like her yeah. dad, it's, it's all about like this political connection or whatever. All that just seems like a huge mistake. I would love it if Jennifer was actually like actually really fit into some wound of his or something that he was like, oh yeah, like she really is the perfect person for me. But she doesn't really seem to be an antidote to any of that Estelle stuff outside of the fact that she treats him kindly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that's not that's not the best way to, you know, base a loving relationship on just because somebody's nice to you. In a way, I mean, I think this, a lot of this movie is just sort of like, it's like a male fantasy kind of, which oh, is, yeah. is fine, you know, totally. Oh, I, I mean, mean, totally. Yeah, like yeah you I mean, that's, go that's into the a way room it's sold and, the whole way through, yeah. Yeah, she's in your bed suddenly. But he traded up, for sure, for the person he was supposed to marry, and, and sure. who, she did not want to marry him either, I don't think. So yeah. there's that. I can't really sit here and tell you what would be the solution for me to like feel that, oh, okay, like that love was really earned, and, and here's two people who were meant for each other by the end of this thing. I also found myself wondering how much of that is just because we knew so much about how these two people didn't like each other in real life. Right. I was certainly looking for that on screen, and I don't feel like it really came across necessarily. Mm-hmm. They are pros. I, I think that that's my sort of like one minor quibble with the whole thing. Well, yeah, I, I would also say that not until I was reading about it after I watched it did I see that it was described as a screwball comedy and Hmm. yeah clearly it is kind of a screwball comedy but at the same time once that label was put on i was like i don't know if it went all the way to screwball comedy no way i would say it could have been a lot crazier yeah in fact the jokes are pretty spread out honestly Mm -hmm. like it's it's not an assault uh, by any means in that category. Yeah, and there are bits like when they're at the wedding, how every time like the wedding stops, yeah, the woman <laughs> starts singing I Love You Truly. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's a great bit. But then by the end of it, I was like, man, they, I wish they were taking this up a notch each time. 
That would be nice, yeah. Like by the by the end, they did it like four or five times, and by the end, it was kind of just the same joke again. It was kind of like, oh, okay. Right. It did make me laugh, but uh, yeah, I, I see your point early on, sure. it made me laugh for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, let's set this up a little bit more specifically, just to give like a, a good frame of reference. So we do. We open in the 17th century, and uh, there's well, I think that the the fire is already burning, right? They're waiting for the extinction of uh, this witch's father. As a, a, a nice Puritan pilgrim tells us there as he reads from the book of exorcism and then stops to say while they wait, they'll have a brief intermission. And then uh, a, a man is selling, was it hot maize? Is that what he was selling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, popped maize. Okay, so popcorn. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I didn't have subtitles on. That was my own fault. I thought, well, that's pretty funny. Like that's a sort of like, I mean, it's almost like Monty Python-esque, you know? Yeah. I wasn't quite expecting that tone to start with. And then we see uh, Frederick March actually plays Jonathan Woolley. And uh, he is supposed to get married, but the, the witch has placed a curse to, upon him that all his descendants will be unhappy in love. Right. Sure enough, that proves to be true. We see flashes to the next century, I believe, and the woolly is underneath the tree where they've buried the ashes of the witch and her father, and that tree is supposed to be there to prevent the ashes and the spirits from ever escaping again. Mm-hmm. You know, that was another one that I, another bit of the movie that I was, that I didn't love because I could feel it coming. It was going to be a montage of woolies throughout the ages. Okay, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. It started with a young couple at the tree. Yeah. And then it fast forwarded and then it was like this old couple. And I was kind of like, well, wait, is that the same couple? And they're just still unhappy? Well, and they just got married, right? Their car, their jalopy was driving off. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just married on the back. So, yeah, on, honestly, I don't remember a lot about that bit. It's quick, but it gets us yes. to the present day. And Frederick March is at a, at a, he's at a party. This is uh, Wallace Woolley. It's sort of a bridal party of sorts, um, pre-wedding party, and also a campaign stump. We find out very quickly that his wife, Estelle, played by Susan Hayward, I thought she was fine too, you know? Oh, yeah. She's not happy. We never really know quite what it is, I guess, between them. He's certainly intending to marry her, but um, she seems less enthused, but is being pushed by, I think, our guy from In a Lonely Place, Robert Warwick. Yes. To get married and also use that as a publicity stunt. Storms kick up outside. Lightning strikes that very tree where those witches were burned and buried. And that's when our puffs of smoke come out and we get to hear from Daniel and his daughter, Jennifer. The dialogue there, it's almost, she's almost childlike because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's okay. So that's clearly Veronica Lake's voice and it's sort of sing-songy almost. It's very innocent, even though what she's saying is not innocent. Right. And they're basically plotting their revenge now that they're free. They can get back at all the Woolies and all their ancestors. And sure enough, they find one right there in, in Wallace Woolley. Jennifer is pleading to have a body once again. Daniel's like, yeah, no, that you got in a lot of trouble last time you had one. And it's like, oh, okay, I see what you're implying there. Eventually he comes around, but he says that in order for her to have a body, they need a flame. And so he starts a fire at the Pilgrim Hotel. <laughs> yeah. The next thing you know, Wallace Woolley gets out of the car to find out what's going on in the hotel, leaving uh, Estelle behind. He hears the voice of a woman. No one else seems to hear. He goes inside into a thick, thick cloud of smoke. Veronica Lake is there. She's naked. Of course, we don't get to see any of that. Ugh. There's a whole sequence where he's trying to get her out of this burning building. And really, she's just interested in, A, seeing herself and what she looks like now that she has a body, and B, trying to seduce him. Here I am, Mr. Woolley, over here. Where? I, I can't see. Just walk. You'll find me. Keep walking. This way. This way. Are you all right? I think so. Two legs, two arms, a face. Here? Yes, I seem to be complete. Why don't you come out? I've been waiting for you, Mr. Woolley. Where are you? You're getting warmer. Here's my hand. How can I get you out of here? I can't see a thing. I can see you. How do you do, Mr. Woolley? Never mind how I am. Let's get out of here. Uh, just a moment. Have you a gazing glass? A what? A mirror. I want to see what I look like. Because that's the ultimate plan, is to make this guy suffer... Mm-hmm. by ruining his marriage. 
the fire scene, I think, would be responsible for the bulk of those uncredited extras, right? I was going to say that in the wedding scene, but yeah. There were a lot of people out there. I was kind of surprised, actually. Well, uh, let's talk about that because that's so that's really Veronica Lake's first appearance in this film. What did you think of that scene? I, I liked it. I think that was a, that was a pretty good intro. Mm-hmm. I mean, it fit in with the, with the tone of the movie. It's a part of me that felt like it went on maybe a little too long. Mm-hmm. Other than that, like I like them kind of, you know, running through the building and it's kind of falling down all around them. I feel like that was maybe where I really started to feel like it was a little bit screwball. It's like with the fire happening and like there's a huge cave in. Right. And it, I, I want to say Wallace says something like, well, we go out this door, but now it's a wall. He seemed quickly resigned to his fate, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, well, this is it. <laughs> I'd love to be so cool under pressure. I know. But yeah, overall, I mean, it was a good intro for her and and like a good big uh, sequence for for the both of them. I I agree. And I I think what you said about the tone is is kind of absolutely right there. It sort of never really feels like there's any danger, which could have been the way to go with this thing. You know, it could have been he comes out and he like legitimately saves this woman's life. And it's sort of like a very harrowing, narrow escape. Yeah. But instead, no, yeah, it's definitely like it's stretched out and you get that the sex appeal that they can kind of get away with during this era which is implying that she is naked yeah there's a lot of implication oh <laughs> yeah the movie yeah for sure i think you're right in that that i mean that's got to be one of the more sort of like screwball style scenes in the film if it's not the the most yeah and it's true it's, it's kind of all in the way veronica lake plays that i will say like i i came around to liking her but i felt like slightly Slightly tired of that note that she plays throughout. Just slightly, Craig. I did I did like her, but maybe yeah. like again, maybe not quite as much as you did. Once they're out of this hotel, she knows who he is. There's no sort of skipping around that. Like she's just very clear in what she's trying to do. She's not trying to pretend that they're meeting for the first time, kind of thing, even though he's completely confused. It's just like, oh no, this is who you are, and I'm trying to seduce you, and, yeah. and it's and it's game on. But basically, he goes home. Was she in the bed then? I think right. He goes upstairs, and she's in the bed, or she's just in the house. I can't remember. I I think she was in the yeah she was in the house because the cat runs to her. Yeah. And like I got here on the broom, and they have that whole thing. Yeah, and that was actually post hospital too. I think right. Right. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it was like a brief hospital stay, but yeah. Because that's where they it really broke the budget on the on the special effects, which yeah. I really enjoyed, like the practical, the effects and stuff that were in this. And there are a bunch. Yeah, I really liked all that stuff. But yeah, she goes to the house, and you know it's it's kind of a similar scene. Like you can't be here, and I think he throws her out, or think thinks he threw her out, and then she ends up in his bed. Yeah, and that I think you know you sort of alluded to it earlier. Uh, maybe my favorite moment in the whole movie. I mean, in in a way, like especially that transition there is so good. But he's talking to her and like trying to get her out of there, and then you know she's. I think she mentioned the word love, and like he sort of launches into a speech, and then we sort of move to the clock on the wall, and the hands start spinning, and we end up, and it's eight o'clock in the morning, and like the next thing you see. He's like right beside her, gazing into her eyes and petting her hair. You know. <laughs> it's great it was it was like really nice um i mean again like you know is he genuinely falling for her i I don't think so i mean that's certainly not the way it's played it was funny i mean it made me laugh yeah but he's still he's fighting up against the fact that he is supposed to get married and there's like a a woman that that works there kind of as a maid if you will she then discovers this woman in his bed they have a lot of fun with that and really, the plot is kind of just the back and forth of her trying to get him away from this marriage and him trying to both win an election and be a responsible person mm-hmm. <laughs> to this woman that he's engaged with and, and get rid of this crazy woman. And he's unable to do so. It builds to that wedding. I don't want to skip anything that, that's consequential between them. There's a lot that's sort of going on with the father who's stepping in and, and trying to also further the cause here. Definitely played as slightly more evil than his daughter. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, is there a transition point in Jennifer where she starts to have legitimate feelings for Wallace? And when does that happen exactly? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I... I took it as when she drank the potion. 
Okay. So she makes a potion, yes, that would remind me exactly what that is supposed to do. Is it just supposed to make him fall for her? Exactly. I thought the whole idea was it would make him fall for her so that she could torture him. And that was still her plan at that point. Yep, the wedding's yeah. happening ASAP. Only she does a little bit of magic in her chair and causes the portrait of one of the woolies, the very large portrait, to fall off the wall. The frame hits her, conks her in the head, and she passes out briefly. Mm-hmm. Frederick March wakes her and offers her the cup of water that she was trying to get him to drink. Famous old switcheroo. She drinks the potion herself. And then she has feelings, which again, I have to ask, are those genuine, does that count as a, as genuine feelings or is that just, you know, beer goggles? Yes. That whole uh, thread of the movie is definitely very muddy. No question about it. If at the end, love is stronger than witchcraft, then it must mean that at some point the potion wears off and she is really in love with him or she's so in love with him, she overcomes the potion. I don't know. For me, like, I kind of, I wish that had not been a line in the movie because I don't think the movie needed it. (laughs) You're probably right. Yeah, honestly. I don't understand why it was said other than, like, you need, like, to state the theme at the end or something. Probably a good trailer moment, too, I I would imagine. Well, I would have much rather liked that. And they actually had a moment where she's trying to confess to him that she's a witch and that it's witchcraft. And he kind of makes that connection of like, you know, there are songs about how, you know, she practices witchcraft or whatever. And like, I'd rather them just say, yeah, witchcraft is what love is. Like, that's real love. Like, you you drank the potion. Like, that's that's what love is, you know. And that would have worked for me. Because it worked for me that she drank the potion. I was like, great. Now I don't have to worry about whether or not she has real feelings for him. She (laughs) has real feelings for him. Yeah, because you know it's going to happen eventually, right? Like You right. know it's they're going to fall in love like somehow, yeah. some that's way. A, that's yeah. as small a curb as I need. Just have them both drink love potions, <laughs> yeah. and I'm on board. You talked about the wedding briefly. I mean, that is kind of, I don't want to call it like a set piece or anything like that, but it is one of the big sort of like comedy scenes. Yeah. A running gag there where they, they at least do the rule of thirds, if not fours, as far Sixes as repeating. or sevens, yeah. Yeah, repeating the gag of there's musicians playing at this wedding and the key musician is a woman singing. She's used to distract the uh, the people who are there from the fact that Frederick March keeps running back upstairs to check on Jennifer the Witch instead of walking down the aisle. And Estelle naturally is getting pissed off. And finally, it comes to a head when she marches in and finds him. I think he he was either mid-kiss or it had just happened with Jennifer. wasn't like a big romantic kiss at that moment, I don't think. Right. Man, it gets even more complicated from there. Like, you feel like that should be the end of the movie in a way. In a way, yes. Like, there is a version of that where that would be the end. And I'm I'm so kind of glad it's not, I guess. Mm -hmm. Forgive me if I'm skipping around. But Frederick March just had his wedding ruined. He's got to get out of there. Like, this is going to blow up in his face as far as his political career. Daniel comes in to complicate matters further by scheming to have Frederick March, Mr. Wallace Woolley, kill him and sent to the electric chair because that is the modern version of burning witches, right? That's how Wallace Woolley, the entire Woolley line are going to burn and pay for their role in burning these two witches. This is not something that Frederick March is is willing to do, but with some witchcraft, Daniel manages to put the gun on the table and have it spin and shoot him in the chest, which a fairly, I guess, hokey effect, although it's still, I thought it was kind of cool. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like anytime oh, yeah. you see a gun move on its own, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty menacing, even in, in this little fun fantasy comedy here. Frederick March and... um. And Jennifer Flea. Do I have my orders wrong on this? I think the order's a little bit wrong. I think, because I think they come to the wedding and they have them up there. The whole shooting happens. It's still sort of in the middle of the wedding sequence, as I remember. But that's a testament to how long that wedding scene goes on. <laughs> I feel like like it goes on for a oh, really that long time. I feel like it should have been like really quick beats. Yeah. But man, they go up and down those stairs a number of times. So, so yeah, so that happens. Oh, because he gets drunk. That's what it is. He comes back too. the smoke goes back into him after he's been in the liquor bottle, which was the first time I thought, why don't you just put the stopper in that liquor bottle? Oh, I didn't even think that. So. But he gets drunk in there and then he goes back in the body and then he's trying to do curses on people and then he falls off the balcony mm-hmm. and they grab him. And they put him in jail. Yep. In the drunk tank. Yeah. And it's around that time that Estelle comes up and she's like, what are you doing up here? <laughs> they run out. 
and and that and that begins like yeah i guess what you'd call the third act yeah for sure a surprising one i mean they they do they run off together they stop at a house it just so happens a lady turns on the light inside the house and opens a window it's like well if you're looking for a room i've got one for rent there's a lot of just so happens in that yeah. moment <laughs> he's like well is there, are there two beds and she's like no there's only one but you're married right and he says is there a justice of the peace around she's like i'll get my husband <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which and, and again in the playfulness of this movie i didn't mind any of that honestly no, like you know it was, it, and it was funny too because they got a scene where then he's like talking he's like settling up the bill with this you know this guy is like the justice of peace is like charging him for like 25 cents for waking him up in the middle of the night and <laughs> right. 50 cents for borrowing pajamas and all these things but you know, at that point, it doesn't matter because, yes, these two people definitely have feelings for each other at this point, and they're going to get married. She decides to tell him who she really is, yeah. and that she's a witch, and of course, he doesn't believe any of this. She says that she thinks she can still get him to win the election, despite everything that happened, by using witchcraft. And so yeah. we get a very fun, ridiculous sequence where the puff of smoke yeah. goes throughout the entire town, suddenly causes people to chant, we want Wooly, we want Wooly, mm -hmm. including, Craig, an entire maternity ward full of babies. Yes, <laughs> yes babies chanting, we want Wooly. That was great. We're talking infants. We're talking like hours, yeah. days old. There's like, Wally, like there's a really high pitched voice. My favorite one was the guy that was his opponent. I think he was doing like a radio speech or something about getting out the vote for himself, but he was like spelling Wooly's name instead of his own. Right. And then when the, the election results come in, it's like over 2 million votes for Wooly and zero votes for the other guy. So like he didn't even vote for himself. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that could explain that election happening after everything had gone to hell in this wedding is witchcraft. Yeah. He knows that this is true now. The problem is that Daniel, once he sobers up, decides that because she's told him he can no longer trust her, he makes her a mere mortal. She has to go back to the tree at midnight and remain there until mankind is extinct. Yeah, that won't be too long, though. Well, you know, yeah. They try to get out of there. They get in a cab, and they don't realize that the driver is Daniel himself, the father. I did like the little joke about, because you see them driving away, and then the next thing you know, Daniel is using his witchcraft to make the car fly. Yes. And Frederick March says, oh, they've certainly improved this road. <laughs> My favorite. I love that. Yeah, it was a good line. He played it well. That line is awesome. And then at some point, she's like, what time is it? And mm -hmm. he looks over his shoulder, and they're like passing this clock tower. And he's like, oh, it's 2.30, you know? I mean, beautiful timing. For, for what's surely like, yeah, like, yeah, uh, rear projection, whatever going on there. Like, I loved it. The reason the, the, the car has gone into the sky is so that Daniel can then crash it into the tree. Mm -hmm. He's decided to return to the tree as well. He's weary of mortals. Puff of smoke goes in. He explains that... Wooly's torture is that he'll remember Jennifer forever. And her torture is that she will not remember him. Which is, yeah, that this could mm -hmm. have been a tragedy. <laughs> Indeed. If they'd left it at that. Of course, they don't. I mean, we do see like her spirit sort of leave her body and she's presumably dead. He carries her back home. He then, at one point, kisses this dead body, which, yep, you know. Just kissing a corpse. Who am I to judge, Craig? Who am I to judge? Right, right. Till you've kissed a corpse, what can you say? Yes, until right. that day. Mm -hmm. uh, she comes back to life, and I think that's when you get that love really is stronger than witchcraft. Yeah, the fun little thing that you alluded to there, Daniel's smoke spirit, observing all this through a window, ends up in the rum bottle, and she puts a stopper to it. She says, all our troubles are over, at least in the present. And then they cut to the title card, and it's like, and the future? In the future. Yeah. Well, this was interesting to me, because I was like, oh, great. Like, they're going to go, like, generations ahead. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to see it. Well, they skip <laughs> about seven years into the future. Yeah. <laughs> because you know that because they're the, the family uh, maid, I guess, caretaker, housekeeper, comes in at mm -hmm. some point and says, I've been this family's caretaker for 37 years. And she said 30 years earlier. Mm -hmm. So, but, but yeah, so, uh, uh, Jennifer 
the witch is doing, you know, cross stitch on the couch, and <laughs> she looks so much older, right? Like oh, the age. so much older. Her hair's up, and yeah. uh, Wally has glasses now, so you yeah. know he's older. And they're a child on both sides of him. I think I think two lovely sons. Uh huh. And the housekeeper comes in, and she lays that line on him about, oh, I can't deal with this, you know, blah. blah. What is she talking about? Well, she's talking about their daughter, yep. who's the spitting image of Jennifer. And even has Jennifer's name. Kind of weird. And weird. And she's riding around on a broom. And everyone gets very worried. I like them ending that way. I think it's kind of funny. You know, it's like so on the nose. You're Jennifer and you're small and you look like her and you're riding a broom. But at the same time, I kind of don't see what the problem is. Because her mom's a witch and she's cool now. So what are we worried about exactly? Is she a witch? I mean, is the mom a witch? Oh, I thought she totally was. You think Veronica Lake is still a witch at that point? Because I, yes. I wasn't sure because, like, he didn't he turn her, he the father turned her into a mortal and then she died and then the spirit left. But then the, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess my read on it was if she could be a smoke thing that lives in a tree, then she's still a witch. Fair maybe enough. you're right. Fair enough. <laughs> maybe you're right. Like, he took her powers away. I mean, that's that's that could totally be it. And I, I just wasn't reading it that way. I, I just felt like, oh, well, if she could do all that and come back to life, then... She, but, but yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Still, I would say it's, it's one of those endings that's like a little muddy where it's kind of like, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, I understand that there's meaning there, but what... I don't understand what I'm supposed to be worried about exactly. It means they're going to have a problem, child. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess. What I did like very much, though, was then you cut to the shot of the bottle yep. and you hear Daniel <laughs> laughing. And that bottle is in a cage with two big padlocks and this huge spring like pressing down on the top of it so that he can never get out. And he's laughing, I think. But it's like above the fireplace. like Yeah. <laughs> it's like a centerpiece to their entire room. It's like where no one can get it in there. Yeah. It's yeah. like a weird urn. I was just like, he's like, well, I guess they can't have company over. Like, what do you do? Yeah, how do you about, explain that? Yeah. <laughs> what what funny story can you yeah, lie to them? Everybody's about? gonna ask about that bottle, right? Yeah. 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 What's with the bottle of rum behind two pet? Like who's the alcoholic in the family? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta lock this up. Every, it was a f I mean, it was a fun joke though. I I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they totally could have done a sequel. Like this is like a classic setup for a sequel, you know, I raised a witch or or we raised a witch or something. Yeah, or even even a little more of a, a like a, a remake. Especially now, I kind of feel like like someone could make some hay out of this in in, in the Me Too era a little bit. You know, like totally. there's a lot of stuff you could probably dig into and and still have a you know fun movie. I think if the Bewitched movie hadn't done as badly, I guess, mm -hmm. as it did, or as notoriously badly as it did. Uh, yeah, maybe they'd be a little more interested in, and we'd have another version of this movie perhaps already. Yeah. Very interested in reading the novel and seeing, yeah, if that's a really darker pitch on the character of Jennifer or just witchcraft in general and mm -hmm. what else is going on. Obviously, I want to see the illustrations that we talked about. <laughs> yeah. It's really, I would just describe this movie as something that is intended to be fun. And pretty darn successful in that. Yeah. Where would you rank this? Okay, let's do three movies that we've talked about a little bit. To Be or Not To Be and Bringing Up Baby. Where would this fit if we had a sandwich with the, these three movies? Oh, man. I mean, this would come in third. Not, not, not a distant third. To Be or Not To Be would definitely be at the top for me and then Bringing Up Baby and then this. I think, I think those two are a little better focused on their screwballness than this one is. I might put this ahead of Bringing Up Baby. I don't know. I feel oh, like because, like, even just talking about it, like, the way that Bringing Up Baby is so identifiably screwball because of the sheer amount of gags that are happening every sure. 10 seconds, that can annoy the hell out of people, especially, I think, like, a, a modern audience. Like, I still, I watched it earlier this, this year and still struggled with it a little bit. Yeah. I, this, I think, yeah, it's, it's a little more easy to digest, uh, even if for no for other sure. reason than the running time. But yeah, yeah I, I don't think it's quite to the level of comedy. Like from a comedy standpoint, I don't think it's touching to be or not to be, right? No, not at all. And, and to be or not to be has so much more purpose in all the stuff that it does. True, yeah. You know, I, th I think that's really what puts it ahead. Yeah. And, and like honestly, I, w I wouldn't have complained. Like if they would have had five more good jokes in this movie, I think that would have been, I, yeah. I would, you know, could have been good. Because the ones they do have, I think, are pretty good. They are. Anything else that we didn't touch on that you want to bring up? Yes. 
there is a stunt slash visual trick somewhere in the middle of the movie that I really enjoyed. And it involved Jennifer sliding down the banister. The sliding down or the sliding up? Well, both. But okay. let's, just, let's just treat it as a full sequence. Okay. Because what I liked so much was it felt like, and I'm, I'm almost sure this is true, whoever was actually doing the sliding was not Veronica Lake. But the shot that they did, and I didn't go back to see if, if this was right, so maybe I'm just misremembering, but I, I think this is right. She slides, you see her slide down the full banister of this uh, staircase, and then she disappears behind the housekeeper. The housekeeper has her back to the camera. Mm-hmm. She slides down, disappears behind the housekeeper, and then Veronica Lake falls out from the other side of where the housekeeper is. And I was like, did they, oh, wow. did they did do that in a one shot? Because I didn't see a cut there. It, there was no jump. I was like, wow. Like, they could have totally done that in one shot. I missed that completely. Yeah, I'll have to go back. Yeah. and. I mean, I felt like overall, like, yeah, there's some, like, good effects mixed in here that... Yeah. And you sense a, like a command, the word you use, like you sense a command of that stuff. Definitely. And I think it just goes along with it being playful and they were just, you know, having fun with all that stuff. Uh, cool. I'm glad you brought that up. I also, one of the things I did like a lot that we didn't talk about at all was that when the hotel was on fire, uh, Frederick March first has a conversation with a man who I, I don't remember <laughs> who he was exactly, but he was really quite giddy about the fact that this hotel was burning down uh, mainly just because he said he liked to build new things and he was thinking more of a an art or a, what do you say a gothic style architecture yeah. <laughs> i was just like you're the yes. number you would be the prime suspect if they're looking <laughs> yeah. for who set this fire standing oh, yeah. here giggling about it oh but they had it they had a really cool effect right there yeah right? yes they did actually you're right these glass doors are in the back and it's not like it wasn't really drawing huge attention to itself but like you can see in the reflection of those glass doors behind them because they're looking off camera up at the building and the building is reflected in the glass like you see this burning building i was just like wow that was really what a cool idea that yeah really sold it totally yeah it's as if the fire's across the street and you see the reflection of it yeah you're right yeah. i forgot about that that was that's pretty cool well you're the flames reflected mm-hmm. in my heart craig any oh, last shot, words thank you well, yeah, love is stronger than this podcast. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Now, that I will not debate. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk next time. Bye-bye. Shh.